Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on our show, we have Curtis Childs. I found Curtis's YouTube channel, which is called Off the Left Eye, late one night when I couldn't sleep. I was searching for videos about life after death. And I have to tell you, I was absolutely amazed and stayed up all night watching cool video after cool video of Curtis relating different topics with an 18th century philosopher named Emanuel Swedenborg. Curtis is the creator, producer, and a host of his weekly Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time webcast that's called Swedenborg and Life that airs to over 29,000 subscribers. And some of his videos you can find on YouTube have reached over 300,000 views. When I tell you they're great, they are really great. For all of us modern-day spiritual growth seekers, this is an awesome show for us. Topics Curtis covers are the afterlife, angels and spirits, near-death experiences, God, spirituality, and more. And he does a great job balancing these faith-based topics with evidence-based research from subject experts. And you can learn more about Curtis Childs on his YouTube channel, which is Off the Left Eye, or you can go to Swedenborg.com. And he's also episode 89 of we don't die radio.com. So that might be the easiest way to take a look at this wonderful fellow we're talking to. So Curtis Childs, thank you for being our guest today on we don't die radio. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I spoke to you a couple of minutes right before we started recording. And like a little kid at Christmas, you are a rock star <laughs> to me. And I'm so excited that I get to talk to you and like open the present because you you are a gift, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm just happy anybody wants to talk about anything Swedenborg related. Because as I was saying to you before, you know, a little while ago, I couldn't find anyone who wanted to. So it's been so much fun getting to put these concepts out here and having things happen like what you described. You you came across the material. It was interesting, um, positive enough that you wanted to keep watching. So stories like that have made the last couple of years while we've been doing this show a really awesome part of my life. So I'm just happy to talk about it with anyone. Yeah, and I'm happy to share and to find out about you. Because for our listener yep. right now, Curtis, I don't know how old you are, but in my eyes, everybody's younger than me, right? So you're, yeah, I'm 31. You're, okay, so young, fresh-faced, um, talking in modern times, things about an 18th century man, but so many of the principles hold true right now in 2016. And there's so many really neat um, graphics and the technology you use, however you do your show. It is so engaging and it's so awesome to watch and just to reflect everything you discuss even with your guests as to how it relates to my life now it, it, it's fascinating so if I could have you tell a little bit about who you are and maybe your journey that ha actually had you get involved with Swedenborg and the foundation and why you're giving back so much in the way you are yeah absolutely um I began what I would call my serious um, spiritual seeker phase, probably around 18 or 19 years old. I actually was part of a select group of people, a small group of people that 
was actually familiar with Swedenborg's writings. You know, my parents both read Swedenborg. Hmm. I, I knew people who did, but that that's a very, very, very small uh, compared to the rest of the human race. So I had that kind of already in my background, but. Mm-hmm. You know, there was other people I knew who who also knew of Swedenborg, but but didn't gravitate toward it in the way I did. And I really started to make it my own ar- around that time, as I was saying. And I think my spiritual journey started the way a lot of people's does, which is through uh, through some kind of disruption in life. I mean, I was going along. It's not like my life was perfect, but I, I was I was doing all right. But eighteen nineteen, uh-huh. things started to get weird. Uh, I think this actually happens to a lot of people around that age, but I started to get what was later diagnosed as depression. Um, I was very obsessive compulsive where I had to perform, felt like I had to perform certain actions or, or redo things or re-say things because if I didn't, there was danger to, to me or to something or I cared about or just this ambient sense of danger. It's sort of hard to communicate it to someone who hasn't experienced that because right. that might sound ridiculous. But when you've been through it, it's no fun. So I was going through that. Uh, I was getting this torrent of negative thoughts and feelings all the time, all this confusing input in my mind. I didn't quite, what's going on? I don't know. I just knew things were sort of falling apart. And I had to go on a process there. Um, Initially, I was just learning about the sort of the link between the physical and the mental, meaning like you got to have good nutrition, you got to be hydrated, you got to exercise. But I went through there and that that sort of got me looking at different things. I I got seriously into near-death experiences then. I mean, that's when I read, you know, Betty Eadie, Raymond Moody, um, Howard Storm, sort of all the classics. Mm -hmm. And I I really liked what I found there because it describes what I would call like a period of of or the potential of total healing you know, that that you can that you, all the details of your life can be known but in a positive way that there can be this kind of love that that um, makes everything okay and that was really attractive to me you know at the time yeah. um so i was finding that and sort of towards the tail end of this I I really started to read Swedenborg again. I'd put him down for a little while, actually, because when I was in that kind of hyped up, almost neurotic place, Swedenborg was actually, he kind of gave me something else to worry about, you know? So I, I had put him down for a little while, but I sort of came back after having taken these other journeys and just really started to see him in a new light. And it began to it began to be a living thing to me. The, the stuff I was reading, it's this relatively dry um, 18th century stuff, right. was was absolutely potent for me. This was talking about my own mind, and it was talking about how life works, and it was it became the most powerful tool that I ever found um, for, for for making progress in in my life and in my own mind. So that gripped me. Sure. And from then on, if you if you go through something, and you you automatically gain some kind of empathy for other people who might be going through something. Yes. You know? Yep. Uh, yeah. And even any suffering, you just understand. Wow, suffering is no fun. <laughs> I don't no. want I don't want anyone else to. So I I had this sense of like having been broken down to the level that I had, and it might not sound that bad how I was describing it, but it was really bad. Um, and after going through that, though, I felt like I want to learn how to fix life. We, people shouldn't have to go through stuff like this. Swedenborg seemed like he had the most potent answers. So I began working more and more towards, oh, I'm going to share these with people. I'm going to pass on what was helpful to me. 
So that, that's the story of how I, I first became seriously interested in, in reading Swedenborg and communicating what he wrote. And did his writings help lift you out of where you were? I'm assuming they did. I would say so. It's it's really hard to gauge things like that mm-hmm. because because you're I'm starting to reach now you know eleven years back in my memory to to figure out that time. I would say that it's not like he lifted me out. Uh, he gave me some steps. Right. I think part of it is just getting older. Um, it's just a that's a rough time. Um, Twenty years old is a rough time right. mentally, and I it sort of feels like the tide went out. But it's not like it's gone now. I still struggle with things. Actually, that that's probably why I've maintained such a constant interest in Swedenborg. Because every day, I mean, some days are just fine, but but other days I'm getting bombarded by internal you know, by internal storms of different kinds, and I continually find him getting me out in little ways. You know, like I'll be in a a negative mood, I can come across some of his principles. And that changes it almost instantly. And, and I, so, so yeah, in little ways all the time, his material is, is most effectively getting me out of that stuff. You know what's neat? Just hearing you say that, mm-hmm. that late night that I was searching randomly on, on YouTube and found you, your videos talking about Swedenborg brought me out of where I was. And, mm. um, I've got a big screen TV in my living room and I just figured out how I can tie in YouTube to it. So yep. then another night I found a video you have about negative thoughts and it's just yes. like, it's, it's, you're, you're doing for us, for your viewers, what Swedenborg's material is doing for you. So, you know, I, a lot of us deal with some negative things and when we turn it into giving back, it, it really not only makes a difference in our life, but makes a difference in others. So, um, I'm not going to call you a modern-day Swedenborg because I don't know enough <laughs> about you or him. But right. I want to tell you there's a reason your videos have so many followers is is you, you really do lift people and also give us something great to think about and give us tools for empowering us to live a great life now. Thank you. And that that's the point. That's the, that's the reason why – this excites me like the the you know the Swedenborg itself the books that's cool but the, but what what keeps me electrified about it is the idea of somebody finding it and getting lifted up from that experiencing yeah. that and then hopefully i can connect them into the the source material that will continue to to bring them positive things but it's all about this is my way to try to to try to end suffering and it does it does make it so that Whenever I'm going through something negative, I now have an immediate outlet to turn that into a positive. If I'm struggling with something, I can figure out how do I apply techniques, okay, and now how do I make a video out of that? So it's really nice for me to have that direct pipeline. It makes it makes things a lot easier for me in, mm-hmm. in my own dealing with things. Yeah, and you have a lot of videos. I haven't mm-hmm. even begun to get that deep into yeah, them, and lot. I've watched a lot. It's like, oh my gosh, and they're so great. They're so great. Could you tell us a little bit who, about who Swedenborg was and sure. why you're so fascinated. And again, the title of our show is We Don't Die. And I know he's got some life after death stuff in there. So if you want to include anything about oh, that, yeah. feel well, free. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't escape life after death if you're going to start reading Swedenborg. Uh, that, that was his claim to fame. His most popular book was called Heaven and Hell, which is this, uh, a tour of the afterlife, if you will. Um, and he, 
that was actually the book he wrote to try to get people interested in his other books because mm-hmm. he goes into all this 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 um complex background information about everything that people were were not really willing to slog through and they everyone was asking him about tell me about the afterlife so he wrote that book to kind of get people interested and i think that as far as who swedenborg is if he hadn't started writing uh, these books about his experiences with life after death uh, and everything else, we would all know who he is because he was he was a scientific genius. He was at, at the head of many fields of science. He was kind of the leading man in Sweden who was a world power at the time. He was figuring out how anatomy worked. He was figuring out how to make mining more effective. He wrote wow. this thing called the Principia, which covered all the major topics of his day. He did metallurgy. He did like everything. Uh, he was a Renaissance man just slightly before uh, the, the Renaissance or, or just, just, just in the, the period around there. But he, he was on a, a path to be, I think, you know, you'd learn about him in history. You learn about, you might not be as influential as Newton, but you'd have right. him there, you know. Yeah. However, when he was in his mid-50s, he was looking for the seat of the soul. You know, he was studying anatomy and he was trying to, back then, it was widely believed that there is a soul, you know, it, at now it, it sort of is, but there's kind of this schism between science and, and, and spirituality. But he was thinking, well, I should be able to find a soul if I look in anatomy, if I, if I right. study the, the brain enough, but he wasn't finding it. And he was, that his quest was sort of pulling him there and he was kind of coming to the a dead end, you know, where, where can I find this thing? And his dreams at that point began to get more vivid and he actually catalogs this in what could be one of the first instances of, of dream analysis ever recorded. He has this thing that's published now as a um, journal of dreams by Swedenborg, where he wrote, not only wrote down his dreams, but sort of psychoan- psychoanalyzed them. Uh-huh. And this was before there was such a thing. You know, this was before Freud or anything like that. But he would write his dream and then write what he thought it meant. And as those progressed, they became more and more vivid and lucid and eventually uh, spilled over into this waking spiritual out of body experiences, which uh, we would now call near death experiences or or out of body experiences or spiritually transformative experiences. It became something more than a dream, and you can actually see him make that progression. So he had this this complete change in the direction of his life. The, his spiritual experiences became the primary thing he wrote about all the way up until his death. He did sprinkle in a few more scientific things here and there, but it was the main thrust of everything was about. He had this mission that he felt like he had been given to write this stuff down, give people this information, and he felt, and looking back retrospectively, he said that his entire scientific career had just been preparing him for this, so that he could go into the afterlife, the nature of God, the nature of the soul, with the, the mind of a scientist, so he could meticulously document it. And what he had was, he was able to basically have near-death experiences at will for 30 years, continuously. Oh uh, he, my gosh. Yeah, that he was, he was lucidly in contact with the spiritual world. It, it didn't matter, even if he was getting his coffee and writing in the morning, there, he would hear what spirits around him were saying. He could travel in, in the spirit to see all the different realms of the afterlife. He could meditate on things and that would co- – so he was constantly plugged into that. He could, he could be at a party with people in, in this earth but, but at the same time be aware of what the spirits around him thought of that party. So he was plugged into that degree and 
he that's one of the things that makes him remarkable is he was so connected uh, and so lucid he could just he could say i want to go see this thing and he could go see it and he had it continuously for for 3 decades or more and he wrote 27 volumes about it so he this could be the 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 most documentation about spiritual experiences that any one person has has ever had um and and not only that he wasn't he it's sort of like like imagine you visited the United States from a foreign country mm-hmm. and you just went there um, and, you know, you, you showed yourself around, you know, that that's one level of experiencing. But imagine instead if you were some special envoy and the U.S. government, all the major institutions, corporations, everybody gave you like backstage passes to see how their operation worked. You got the total tour of everything from the people who knew that's sort of what he got of the afterlife because he had he was given all this access to see not just i i saw a building and there was people in it but he he learned sort of the the laws governing the spiritual world he was told he got to visit uh these groups of people that these groups of spirits that were hard to get to he he had this incredible access he said because then he could it was given to him so that he could relay this stuff so that it could become common knowledge with, with all of us who can read his books. That is so cool. Yeah, I know. It is. Because he lived in the 1700s, right? He lived in this mid, yeah, yeah, seven, born in the, I think, late 1600s, died in the 1700s. And as you said, a lot of the stuff that he wrote was way ahead of his time in that it feels current now. It feels like it lines very much up with modern spiritual or near-death experiences at the time you know it was it was so out there that he was put on trial for heresy and almost kicked out of his country all this kind of stuff because he was saying these things that you just didn't say back in in theocratic christian europe but a lot of things now are that that he was saying back then like um you know all paths can lead you to heaven a lot of people say that now but but not so many back then but he was he was prescient in that way Mm, really great stuff. Are there some of his principles that um, you want to share with us that are like your core beliefs as to what it's all about, maybe what life's all about or what what heaven's all about? Or I don't even know what question to ask, really. Sure. Um, the first thing I would say is don't, don't believe everything you think. Um, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that, I mean, that's not necessarily about what heaven is like. No. But that's, that's about what's in between us and heaven. Okay. Uh, meaning one of the things that he learned is we are, we are always being influenced by the other side. He said, he talks about the spiritual world. Some people think about it like it's some sort of, um, ethereal thing that's, that's far away. Like he, he compares it to a bird flying way off in the air that you can kind of see, you know, mm-hmm. okay, there's a spiritual world. It's out there. It's whatever it is. He says, no, actually, the spiritual world is like a, a bir- beautiful bird of paradise that's flying so close to your face that the tips of its feathers on its wings are touching your eyelash. You know, it's so oh. close to you. It's always interacting. And he says that, that we, we, are the, we are in a continuum with the afterlife. We, our thoughts and feelings are being influenced by the greater whole of humanity. Just like you can see influence going through people. You can certainly just go on your Facebook feed and look for somebody who's saying something political right now. Right. If it's something you don't like, chances are you're going to say, oh, well, they just heard that on Channel X, and that's why they're saying We acknowledge that people are influenced by things, and Swedenborg yes. is saying we get an influence in the mind in the same way. And, and to me, hearing that 
after having just dealt with this deluge of negative thoughts and feelings for so long, oh, that that makes sense. That this is, I don't have to believe in this stuff just because I hear it in my mind. You know, that that that's sort of critical thinking about it. To me, that's been the concept that I've most been able to use. And it, it, that's just giving you a very simplified version of it. But that the, the other things, the heaven that he talks about, is a state of mind, um, and really it, that that gives me a compass to to sort of gauge where do I want to go? Because we sit here, we have life. What what am I, what am I trying to accomplish? What am I trying to do? You know, how do I play this game? What are the rules? Are you trying to win? What is life? And he gives you this picture of uh, the heavenly mindset, which is you, probably people have heard parts of it from from other traditions, but it's essentially loving, loving, oh, it's what we talked about at the beginning of the show. It's loving, doing useful things for other people. Mm-hmm. So for example, if, if you know, you have, a, you, you had your, your, um, your spiritual experience and then you wrote that book that you wrote to try to get other people to, to learn that, hey, we're not going to just blink out at the end of our life. There is something there. You're turning something into something that helps people. And the joy that you feel in that and the joy that I feel when I think about somebody finding my videos and it lifting up their life, that's heaven. That yes. is the mindset of heaven, that the joy in serving some kind of use for another person, right. that's heaven. And that that is sort of the, that's what, that joy is going to last. The joy that I, I get in ego. So if I'm doing my channel, right, you said oh, they, they have 29,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm sitting there and I'm excited, like, look how many subscribers I have, that makes me so cool. That's not a sustainable joy. Right. Know, that that's not going to that's not cr- creating a heaven inside me right that that's because that's just really seeing myself in that but what that number that 29000 represents is a bunch of people who hopefully are having a positive impact in their life the thing that i should be excited about is happiness in those people and and answers and and relief the kind of relief that i got happening for them that's heaven. So it just lets me know, oh, okay, great. That's what I can cultivate. That's what I can work toward. Not that it, I should never feel good about myself for doing a good job on things, but don't have that be your primary goal in life. The primary goal is help the human race. Yes. And no matter what way anyone of us finds to do that, it, it is one of the most rewarding feelings. Uh, I think Zig Ziglar has a quote that says the way to, I don't even know what it is. Uh, I can't even think of what it is, but but, you know what I'm talking about? You make a difference for enough other people, help them get their, have their dreams come true and you'll have your dreams come true. Yeah. It's something like that. Yeah. I did a terrible job at it. No, that was, that was just how it needed to be. Oh, you're wonderful. Well, and if you think about it, think about that though as a, as a compass, because if I'm just sitting here and I don't know that that's that's the the best Curtis that Curtis can be mm-hmm. is serving people in, in the way that I can. If I didn't know that, you you can easily get buffeted around inside your mind and, and, and inside your feelings. Oh, do I need to be more successful here? Do I need to be expressing myself more here? Do I need? Is there something I you, you don't? You, it creates this nervousness about what what do I need to do to validate myself? But if you just know, the point is serve others in that way to me it it's relaxing okay that's 
That's the direction. Not that it lays out every step of that, but it gives me a path. And so that's just one concept. There, there are so many others in Swedenborg. Um, his picture of, of God is just beautiful. Um, and it's, it's, it's large and complex, but very simple. Uh, love, love to the whole human race that, that God has love to the whole human race. And that, the, that we can let that, like when I'm going to help people, that's really, that's that divine love coming through that and we, we can all, the more that each of us individually taps into that, the more that we all act together in concert. He has this idea. Have you heard of, um, did you ever see an episode on, uh, the grand human? No. So this is a concept that he has. He, he talked about the, in the afterlife that the, the state he called the, the place he calls heaven, which heaven is just made up of people who are more and more having this state of mind of love to the human race. He says that you actually, we're both wearing the shape of heaven, meaning the human body is this perfect model of cooperation, interdependence, and mutual love. If you think about all the different parts of the body, they get everything they need from the whole and they give everything they have to the whole. You think about it's true on the larger levels of let's talk about your heart. It is pumping blood out to the whole body, but also it's receiving protection from the rib cage. It is receiving oxygen from the lungs. It's the immune system is protecting it. It is, it is being loved and it is loving, uh-huh. you know, and you see this even down to the cellular level. You have individual cells that are working to make proteins. They are dependent on the red blood cells bringing them oxygen. He says that the human body is actually the perfect image of the way that the entire human race can work together. And like you were saying, you know, you find out in whatever way you can help, you know, there's all these different specialized parts. The teeth do something that, you know, the, uh, that the liver can't do. And that, that which, then the eyeball does something that the ear can't do. Right. And that each of us, he actually says that in heaven, you go to, you know, it's not like heaven is actually in the shape of a person, but people who have uh, an ability to understand things, an ability to learn, they're kind of like the eyes of humanity. So you go there and you're in a community serving to, to gather information for the rest of humanity. He talks about this, this tight community that, that's as mutually inter- interdependent and loving as the human body. And that, you know, from that, from, from physical things, we can see pictures of spiritual things. I know that your your tagline for your show is trying to find, um, or, or it has to do with finding evidence for for life after death. Um, and with Swedenborg, he he shows how the entire physical world is showing you what these deeper realities are like. You just know how have to know how to to speak the language. And, and the example of the the human body is just one out of out of many 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 examples. Yeah, many people have said things, you know, talk about heaven on earth. And when we, right in the beginning, when you talked about uh, not listening to your own thoughts, mm-hmm. um, I, I thought of a really good example. I, I tell people in my book, you know, a lot of times we are very um, negative towards ourselves, even getting on this show. Okay, I've seen your show, and it's like, oh my God, he's a rock star. Yeah. Oh, this guy's going to be talking to me. Who am I? I'm a nobody. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and it's so easy to go down that tunnel of yep. like negativity, and I'm a nobody, and all this stuff. Yep. And so, one fun thing I, I have people do from time to time is to, you know, list on a piece of paper all the thoughts you have about yourself. Okay, you're not good enough, not pretty, whatever, um, yep. not smart. And then, if you were to ask, 
maybe the five people closest to you, how they would describe you and to, or, or you just ask them, you know, and you're going to get these things like, Oh, you're so generous. You're so funny. You're so smart. And the, the joke is what they say about you is the truth, you yeah. know, not what we say about ourselves. You exactly. know, it's really who people see us as. So I think that's brilliant. And isn't that, isn't that an interesting phenomenon that we're all mean to ourselves yeah. uh, and that like, wait a second step, like that doesn't make any sense. And I, I, um, I did a video that was called head bullies, which is a speech that I, I gave once. And cause if you took that list you were talking about, mm-hmm. if, if you had a person who was saying those things to you, uh, that that would be a what a restraining order. I mean that that is not okay. <laughs> that would be a restraining uh, order. We do not allow that. That's if, funny. If, but if I, if I was saying that to somebody, that they sh- they should be exiting me from their life as fast as possible. You know. Yeah. Um, however, when we say it to ourselves, we just think, oh, that's true. It must be true because I'm saying it. You know. But no, it's not that that treat that those voices in the same way. That you'd really treat a bully, which means don't get if somebody's bullying you, you don't want to say, I'm going to listen. I'm going to take your advice to heart on everything you say, because, you know, all they're trying to do is get at you. It's for the same reason that bullies bully. It's, it's for power and it's, it has none. It doesn't have your own interest in mind. So in that same way, yeah. I, I take everything that all that negative stuff I get, I, I try to just say like, well, I, I know that that's like, you're not a trustworthy source, my own mind on that kind of stuff that you got to have these balances like you're talking about, get other people to to talk to you. That, that's yeah. a great technique. Yeah. And that uh, untrustworthy source, source, we also buy into that, you know, life after death can't be real or this is mm-hmm. all there is. And, and meanwhile, if we can stop and we can look at like internet technology or our cell phones that are picking up things from God knows where the cloud yeah. is, you know, <laughs> or, or even looking at planet earth and thinking, you know, millions of years ago, it was just this rock. Right. And now out of it, we have houses and books and computers and technology. And like, we're, we're actually living in a miracle, but our yes. minds can say, no, we're not. They can shrink it down so incredibly to uh, like you have this amazing world this amazing technology amazing people but your life can just be reduced to i can't believe that person said that thing about me oh exactly you know like that's that's what it comes down to i remember going to see this exhibit about the human body uh and just being floored by the amazing amount of complexity and beauty in it but yet you can see someone just be like that guy looks funny you know, and that's like your whole assessment. But if you understood the processes that are going, that that is the most amazing thing you could look at. You know, um, so I think that that's it's funny how how we can just uh, sort of debase the thing that, but but really, there's all this behind it, and it's cool that you mentioned um, internet technology, cell phone technology. We did a show called "How the Spiritual World Is Like the Internet" um, because. And this is actually sort of an expansion on it. When I was in college, I did an independent writing study where I was, you know, writing articles to try to get published. And I had gotten one published, so I, I but I still had part of the semester left. So I was decided I was going to write a paper about Swedenborg. And this was before I was like doing any Swedenborg kind of stuff for a living, but I was I was quite interested in him. And one section of that was devoted to cataloging the similarities between the spiritual world that Swedenborg describes and the internet as we find it now, which obviously was something that, that there was nothing comparable to that on the planet in the mid-1700s. But 
he talks about um you know time and space being being obsolete in in the spiritual world that you can thinking of anyone you can immediately be present with them there's no there's no distance issue there and the time there's not really time there's just sort of states of mind and here we are you you and I are are far far away from each other but yet we're talking over the internet like we're face to face and we're pre, we're recording this show but you know anybody from now on can just listen to it as if it was happening in the present moment so you sort of have the physical world starting to resemble the spiritual world and it goes into more detail than that um Swedenborg says that uh you can in the spiritual world you can know what somebody is like just on approaching them that, that there's it's like more of an honest world you know uh and you know, it's it's not a perfect system, but with the web, if you get if I get a a call on my phone that I don't recognize, I can immediately look up that number and see. Oh, other people are saying this is this is spam. Don't answer this. Yes, yeah, true. You know, that yeah. you can kind of vet things, and with and with a person, you go try to look at their Facebook profile. You can like learn about them before before you instantly. You know, and and also people gather in their own communities. You have the, all these neat sort of uh, web communities that are based around really specific interests, but people gather and they talk about those. Even uh, my my YouTube channel, and this is people who are interested in a particular uh, take on spirituality that Swedenborg offers. We can all gather there, and Swedenborg says, in community, I- in the spiritual world, it's your interest, it's what you love that pulls you together. So it just, I just see that the more technology evolves, the more it begins to resemble this thing he was describing, seeing, you know, a couple centuries ago. So there again, the the physical world is starting to reflect the spiritual world more and more. Wow. I just got this visual of um, driving down the road and like without your show, <laughs> uh-huh. you're in the back seat. Someone else is doing the driving and you're there they're going wherever they want to go and they're telling you stories that you probably don't want to hear and they're being the bully and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, and what you provide Curtis uh, and the Swedenborg foundation um, is you get to be in the driver's seat and you get to just <laughs> yeah. be like, no, this is where I'm going to go. And this is what I want to find out about. And it, it's such a, a wonderful way to really grow spiritually. Like I, I'm going to turn mm-hmm. 50 next week, which it's like, how can I be 50 already? Yeah. But Congrats. I thank you. But I've done a lot. But I, you know, I think as human beings, we over the course of our lives, we learn, we grow, we learn, we grow. And, you know, it's just this gradual growth thing. But getting into the driver's seat, watching and learning and, and what you provide for people, I think you can really have like a rapid growth spurt into a just another quality of life that was previously unimaginable. So yes, well, it's, it's cool to hear you say that because that's what I'm hoping it can provide. And that's what Swedenborg has provided for me for sure. Um, and that not only does it put you in the driver's seat, but tells me what roads are good to drive on where, where the destination is, you know, because if, if I don't have a clear sense of where to go, it's hard for me to, to, to get in there and, and drive. But I, that's a very good metaphor that it does make me feel like rather than just being driven everywhere by the thoughts in the mind, I can instead say, well, I know what the, I know what's actually going on. So if you're saying something counter to that, I know I don't have to listen to you, which that has been such a phenomenal tool for me. Uh, yeah, in, in, in growth and in life. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things as I hear from people, um, even some older people is all the regrets they've had and the, and the opportunities that they didn't take and, um, and to not 
have that. I mean, wouldn't it be great those final moments when we're in this life to just like look back and go like, wow, I really played full out in that, you know, always <laughs> some things we could have done a little differently, but just that I really, really went for it, you know. Um, yep. Can I ask you, Curtis, Swedenborg sure. uh, talking about maybe our deceased loved ones, is, is there any talk about seeing them again or do we have angels? Do we have guides? Um, does he speak of any of that sort of thing? Yes, he, he absolutely does. Um, he, he gives de- descriptions, um, not as vivid I mean, in the, in modern near-death experiences, you'll get more vivid descriptions of reuniting with, with relatives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he, he just had so much he was covering. He does say, you know, in the spiritual world, seeing families reunited, seeing, um, you know, siblings, uh, spouses, um, you know, parents and children, people being overjoyed, meeting each other again, that he could, he, he would also, he would even have people that he knew while they were alive, then they would die and he would get to converse with them in spirit after oh, that. So they're, that's good yeah, enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and, and even, I mean, there, there's, there's anecdotes, but well documented about, uh, you know, there was people who began to catch wind that, that he could, see the spiritual world so they wanted to test it tell me something that that my brother would know who died that nobody else did and and as the story goes he was called into the the uh, court of this queen and he told her this thing that that nobody else could have known and you can look at look at his uh, wikipedia page it's on there but so he had these sorts of connections but um so there's those but then angels he says yes always there's actually always at least two angels with every person Oh. And that, and he actually goes into that there is two angels because one is associated with your thoughts and one is associated with your feelings. Hmm. As, and it's not – and that there, because there are sort of two primary faculties in a human being, what he calls the understanding and the will, which also can be called the intellect and the volition or, or volition and discernment, which I think almost breaks down neatly into thoughts and feelings. It's sort of like – your your purpose and how you get there, um, and he says that that you have an angel with with each part of you, and that through this angel is is sort of your connection to heaven. So you can actually be in it's the, as he describes it, it's complex because there's those those two that are almost like they're like permanently with you and and sort of allow you to live because they're a channel for this this life into you. Right. But then there's also like he says that our spirits. He talks about communities in the afterlife, but he says our spirits are actually in communities right now in the afterlife. We have a spirit right now. We are in a community, and actually our community throughout the course of our life changes based on what we love, based on what we're turning our attention towards and focusing on. And we actually change spiritual locations as we grow to have different interests and and progress spiritually. We, we go up into these different heavenly communities. He gives the interesting anecdote that if you're deep enough in meditation or something like that, mm-hmm. you actually become visible in your spiritual community. Like the, the spirits there can see you and be, oh, who, who's that? You know? Um, so there's that Swedenborg is full of little fascinating anecdotes like that. But what I'm saying is there's also, you could be surrounded by plenty of angels that are working with you and protecting with you in addition to your two kind of, you know, your, your two kind of buddy buddies. So any, <laughs> you know, so, so there's, there's a, there's this level of intimacy with heaven that, that I, that I've 
rarely ever heard of with angels actually being able to know sort of the details of the origins of our thoughts and our feelings and why we're all these elements in our thoughts and feelings that we ourselves aren't even aware of. And they're gently trying to bend those towards good. They never force us to do something we're not willing to do, but they're always pulling for us. And Swedenborg says that an angel would gladly trade places with anyone if it meant they could come up and experience heaven. So there's that, that when we talk about the joy of of helping other people, heaven consists entirely of that. So, so angels, people that are in heaven, their their greatest joy is helping, and, and that includes helping us. So you have Swedenborg talks about angels that that protect people while they're sleeping and introduce good dreams. And he says that the angels are so excited to do that that there's sort of a friendly competition between them because no, I want to do it, I want to do it because I really want to, I really want this person to be happy. So there's that much pressing um, love coming out of them. And when he when he would say he would interact with angels, he he pretty much loses his ability to describe it. He, he always just says it, you know, they are pure love. There's nothing but love. It's, it's just it's beyond me to describe. Uh, you know, it, yeah. he'll try, but but I think you get that from from people who have had near death experiences that that they can try to put it into words, but, but they can't. Yeah, so they he, can't. He he finds himself in the same boat. Yeah. What does he say as far as the purpose of life? Because like you had started started in the beginning talking about suffering. I mean, I've known yeah. some pretty bad suffering and I know I've known just a small amount of what some people have experienced. But what what's the point of it all? From what I understand, it's we're we're in the second sort of womb right now. If you think of what's the point of of being in the womb before we're born, it's to grow and develop because you have to grow and develop in that particular environment. You know, the womb, you have mm-hmm. the amniotic fluid uh, that, you know, you're, you're protected from the elements, you're given all the food you need, you, you're given the oxygen you need. You couldn't go through those stages out here in this world because you need that environment. And similarly, we are here in this world because we need this environment to grow and develop before we can go into the spiritual world. Uh, for this this level of existence has different conditions than are than are available there. For example, here you can kind of be duplicitous, or you can sort of think one thing but say another thing, or try to put up a front, you know, yes, to, to uh-huh. please people. Yep. Um, and actually, that that actually is. It can be used negatively, but it's actually an important tool because Swedenborg says in the spiritual world, you just are what you are. You don't really have impulse control. You don't really have a filter. You know, you just you just go. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we did that now, that would be a problem, you know, because we all have stuff to work on. You know, we we have a chance because you can think one thing and feel a different thing. I can say, "Ooh, I'm really wanting to think something nasty about that person, say something nasty to them, behave dysfunctionally, but I'm actually going to not do it. You know, that we have the chance to kind of push back and learn in that way. And through that, we're, we're forming our spirit. Those choices that we make in the face of things like suffering or negativity, that's forming our spirit. So that once, at the end of life, the, the spirit that, that we've formed through the kinds of things we've chosen and loved in life, then that's fully developed and ready to be in the in the spiritual world. So that we are we are going through this life because we have to have these conditions to develop. But in regard to suffering in particular, 
Yeah, he Swedenborg says that no nothing bad is allowed unless it, in the end can be used for good. So, I mean, we have me Curtis uh, talking about uh, at the 18, 19, 20, I was going through this really hard stuff. Well, I can even see in retrospect that I, I learned so much. Like I'm, I'm more empathetic now. I'm deeper now. And that was what led me and continues to lead me to this, uh, you know, craving for the truth and this search for the truth and this, um, living uh, the principles I find in Swedenborg and in other sources and, and, and then wanting to pass it on. If it wasn't for any of those hardships, I would never have, have that that desire to do that you know so there all the things in our lives that are tough are are only allowed to the extent that in the end even though there is suffering and that's real i'm not trying to um you know trivialize that but thinking down the road you know if life is eternal we're going to at some point be able to look back and say okay it was all worth it i'm actually I am who I am today because of all this. And you see this, I mean, there was near-death experience by somebody named Beverly Brodsky, who uh, you can look her up on YouTube. She has this great account. Um, I think she was at the IANS conference. Um, and she was, had her near-death experience when she was, I think, young 20s. And she had a lot of upset about the world, like the Vietnam War was going on. She didn't really have a, a why about why do people suffer. You know, okay. but w- she said when she saw the reasons, she thought, "Oh, I get it. You know, th- this all makes sense." When she came back, she couldn't she couldn't remember those or articulate them. But that seems to be a common theme: is when people see the plan, they think, "Okay, it, it all makes sense." And that the idea is, even though it does not seem like that at all, we can we can have some confidence and some comfort in the idea that. All this is is for our. All this is bringing the best out of an imperfect situation, which is that we live in a world where people are free to either be nice or mean to each other, and from and all the sort of residual suffering that comes out of that, you know. So, I mean, that's that's my like my uh, you know pithy attempt to to answer that quickly. We we've done several <laughs> shows on the topic. It's that's all good. like the, the main question, you know. Um, but but those are those are like sort of the the beginning thoughts on the whole thing, and it's not like I always have that all figured out. You know, if I'm if I'm in my house trying to get something ready, and I like knock over a glass full of water or something, it's very hard for me at that moment to feel like everything has a purpose. You know, right. what? Why that? Come on. Like, okay, I get it. You can learn, but why that? So I'm still learning, but I do I do believe that you know in my better states that. There, we are gonna. I can because I can see it with some things in my own life, things that at the time I really didn't like. But now I think, wow, I I'm really lucky for the position I'm in now because of those things. Yeah, my dad died um, almost six years ago, and that was the thing for me—the most suffering mm. and really tough time. Never in a million years would I've ever thought I'd be having a show about life after death, helping people through grief. Curtis, there's been people that haven't committed suicide because of my words and the wow. shows and the book. And the, yeah. and it's like, in the moment, it was all happening. I would have never thought that my deepest, darkest despair would turn into something like this. But looking back, it's like, it has. So as advice to somebody who may be going through some really tough times right now, in the moment, it's really hard to have the answers, but there is something called faith and trust that um, 
perhaps in the future you're going to make a profound difference for someone else or, you know, have a better life because of it. Yeah. And I don't think we can ever be trying to take away people's pain entirely. But as you said, no, as you not. said, there's, there is, there is an element of comfort. We, there can be, we, I don't think we can eradicate suffering, but there can be less based on these, these principles like you're talking about. Yeah. The human body is not an easy thing to live in. I mean, there's all kinds of chemical makeup and depression is oh, real. Yeah. And, and, yep. and, and even just seeing some of the things that it, what's going on in, in our world and some of the, tough things people are doing to one another and you know it's it's a scary place our mind and what we believe is the truth and what we believe is good and, and maybe hurting other people and yeah planet earth cannot is not always the happiest place to be no. but no. if we do believe in a much bigger picture uh it, it, it can get you through even the the darkest times um curtis what are your favorite things um do you have any favorite episodes that's what I'm thinking to ask you now. Oh, uh, that we did on the. Yeah. I mean, I. The funny thing is, I really like our episodes that we did about the dark side of things. Really? Um, yes, and and the reason that I do is because those uh, those are actually the ones that people come up to us and say that helped me more often than yeah. any other because. It's people that are, you just described all these problems with the world. People are doing really tough things mm-hmm. to each other. Um, and in, inside people's minds, they're being attacked in all these ways. And when, because Swedenborg saw sort of the root causes of all that stuff and describes it. And when you describe that to people, they can experience such a liberation from that. Like, oh, that's why this is happening. And in me, and that, you know, that's how I can deal with it. Um, that, that can really, and it, it, it wouldn't think so. It's counterintuitive, but that, that can be some of the most comforting stuff to people. Uh, that, or that's just what I found with how they it, it, it makes sense. I'm even thinking of grief, it's, and that's something personal to me. Anybody who said, oh, just get over it, right? Dad died. Wrong. Just, you know, just, yeah. it just should only be a few weeks and you'll be fine, right? No. Versus someone who's actually lived through it or, or depression yep. in your case. I mean, it sure does help to hear somebody who's been through it and then i mean it so that uh, the dark side episodes make sense to me yeah yeah and with there there's a tendency that i want to point out that sometimes people think just because we have spiritual ideas or beliefs we don't need to go through the process the grief things like right. that like oh you don't you believe in life after death that's not how it works i mean death is a really really hard thing and mm-hmm. you need to give yourself space um you know when i when i was young when i you know when i was like 6 uh, my sister died uh and she was just like a year and a half older than me wow. and i and i don't even now you live with the residual effects of that and it's not like just now i've got all this swedenborg in my brain so that doesn't affect me anymore we are we are, you know, biological machines in these. We are emotional creatures. You can't just unthink how you're wired and, and, and just think your way out of all wounds. But there's, there's certain amounts of, you know, like if you, if you actually get a deep wound, you can't just 
command it to heal, but you can take care of it. You can clean it. You can Uh provide comforting medicine. And that, that's more the role that I see this stuff playing, uh, rather than saying, yeah, okay, so now you don't need to grieve for your dad. No, this, the, the true wisdom there is, is realizing that, that you need to grieve as much as you need and in the way that you need. And it, your grief isn't necessarily going to look like anyone else's. The, the kinds of things that the people learn only really by studying and going through it themselves. Mm-hmm. That's the best kind of learning there is. Absolutely. And so, and that's why, that's where all the um, this stuff for the the channel that we work on comes from is trying to take these principles, apply them to life, see how does this work, does this make sense, and then once I feel like I've got something that we can pass along, you know, we we pass it along. Uh, and it's not just me working on the channel. We've got like a, a team of people that are are doing graphics and writing, and and the, the, you know the, the channel wouldn't be what it is without them and, and they're they're all working for Swedenborg Foundation with me. So I just wanted to let people know that it's it's not just, it's not just you. Would you let them know that they do a great job? Because yes, I, I will. When I'm watching your channel, I have these dreams someday of having a We Don't Die TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I could never do what these people do. I mean, it's so awesome. The graphics and yep. uh, the scripts and the questions and your guests. And it's like, oh yep. my God. I mean, really phenomenal. Yes, phenomenal they, they are. stuff. What is the Swedenborg Foundation? What is it? Yeah. It is a nonprofit organization. That has been around, I don't even have it memorized, it's much more than 100 years that it's been an organization. It was originally just a uh, translator and publisher of Swedenborg's books. Okay. So it existed, uh, I think it was originally in, in New York State or maybe New York City, and it was called something else, but then it moved, and now it's headquartered in, in Westchester, Pennsylvania, um, and it would print Swedenborg's books and translate them. And that's all it did. But then, you know, in the 80s, there, there, there were people sitting around saying, you know, barely anyone's reading these books. How do we get them out to people? So that began kind of a, a new phase of Swedenborg Foundation where they were trying to publish like collateral books because when you come up upon Swedenborg's books, they're daunting. They can be a little bit intimidating if, yes. if, if you yes. don't happen to have a, a taste for 1750s philosophy. Right. They're, they're long and, and they're strange. I mean, you open them up and you're going to see him talking about spirits and how they affect you and, and uh, all this out-of-body stuff and, and mixing that in with Christian-sounding stuff. It's just like a lot of people, I would imagine, just opening it up and shutting it. You know, it was just like that. So it actually takes giving us some time to really find, oh, there's, there is gold in here, you know? So Swedenborg Foundation thought, hey, that's a problem. So we're going to try to publish these simpler kind of books that get people into it. They, they dabbled in some other things. They did a little video back in the day. And then, um, it was just a few years ago, three years ago, I think that I started working with Swedenborg Foundation. Um, and this is part of sort of this new, uh, online push that we're doing now and um, we have a you know a couple of social media networks we have our videos we have our website and the the mission statement though is just to foster an uh, affirmative increasingly broad conversation around the ideas of Swedenborg it, and it's the whole the heart of it is people who have found Swedenborg love it and, and think it could do some good and are just trying to get anybody to listen and 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 stop and wait wait give this a second chance that there might be something that'll change your life in here mm. 
you know, it's interesting because when I first started my life after death research, long before my book, long before my dad died, um, I had downloaded some books. And when I had seen your videos, I'm like, Swedenborg, gosh, that sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. So I had downloaded all these free books on my Kindle. And even knowing that I was going to interview to you today, I, I decided to like open one random one. And it was to me so heavy and so like, I think I'd rather just watch his videos. It's kind of what I did. Not that I won't give him a second well, chance. That, that's, uh, that keeps us in business. You know, if he was easier to read, you might not need the videos in the first place. No, so. but they, they're really great. Just great. Thank you. Um, what else haven't I asked you that I really should? Oh, or that you might want to share. How about um, that? Well, I want to say, uh, you know, if you guys want to check them out for yourself, every Monday night we broadcast. I guess you said that at the beginning. Well, say it again. Um, in your sure, words. it's youtube.com slash off the left eye. And that off the left eye comes from, actually, there was a, a spiritual experience Swedenborg had where he said that he was being shown what the dying process is like oh. just so that he could report on it. And he said that he was... He was sort of being put through it, but but yet a part of him was conscious so he could take notes, you know, um, or remember it and then write it. And he said that he was at first, you know, his soul was being awakened. Uh, and at first he was in this purely emotive place and he was in contact with heaven close to his heart, but but he wasn't really thinking about anything. But then when he started to stir and and began to start to wake up, um, there was these angels that came that gave him the use of his spiritual sight. And they did that. He said it seemed as if a covering was pulled off his left eye that gave him that sight. And there's all this kind of symbolism with left and right and eyes. And so <clears throat> that, that's what the channel is named after is that experience. Oh, that's neat. I was wondering what that was all about. Yep. And people on, online are like, what is that? What is that? Is that Illuminati? What, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> but uh, it's uh, there's everything has a correspondence or a symbolism. The the left side is intellectual, the right side is volitional. He actually Swedenborg actually anticipated the modern sort of science of the hemispheres of the brain yeah, through his through his spiritual discoveries. But every the coolest thing about Swedenborg is that you can our show is called Swedenborg in Life because you can look at any facet of life and understand it, in my opinion, better through Swedenborg's concepts. It's not just relegated to we're just going to talk about what happens after we die or we're just going to talk about theology or something. The way you look at everything, the way you look at, at people, the way you look at other life forms, the way you look at relationships, uh, the way you look at events, it can all be upgraded by the, by the way that he describes it. And I'm just, I still feel like I'm just beginning learning what he's really talking about. You know, I get concepts, suddenly I'll understand something like I didn't before, because I can read part of Swedenborg and come back mm -hmm. and say, wait a second, I never read this before, because I didn't get it. I, I was right. once giving a, a lecture about <clears throat> Swedenborg's view of the afterlife. So I was just going back over Heaven and Hell, which I had read before, and I was just feeling like, man, I don't feel like I've ever read any of this, because this is all striking me as new. Because cause with Swedenborg, I think you have a tendency sometimes to, I'm just going to jump over that because it seems complex, or I don't get what he's saying there. But some, every once in a while, it clicks, and like, ooh, that's alive. I, I get what he's talking That's cool. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that, that actually, I can use that today to change kind of my thought practice. Wow. Curtis, you are a huge gift. You and your team. <laughs> <laughs> and cool. your angels that are surrounding you. Well, good. Um, I'm, 
Glad you still think so, even at the end of the interview. Oh, you know, it just has me want to watch more. And for our cool. listener right now, I'm bragging about Curtis, but it, he is the real deal. Uh, <laughs> when I say these episodes are phenomenal, um, and just a quick link for our, our listeners right now, if you go to wedontdieradio.com, click on episode 89, that's Curtis Childs. I'll, I have links to his YouTube uh, page, Off the Left Eye, to Swedenborg.com, the foundation, um, and more. I mean, really, just just great. And, and Curtis, just from a being a human being who's mm-hmm. on a journey right now myself, the ups and downs and life can suck sometimes and it can be great other times, I want to just really thank you for taking the negativity, the depression, your past, and whatever still keeps coming up in, in your negative mind and turning it into good and turning it into something that has made a difference in my life and will continue to. And then even in so many lives, people that, that you, you may never even meet. Um, there's something, I, I, a picture I want to leave you with right now, uh, Curtis sure. and our listener. Um, many people that I have interviewed talk about this near death experience. And one of the neatest things that they say many of them say is we have this life review when it's all over and you go through your life and you see your impact on other people from other people's perspective well many curtis have said that after you see kind of the negative things and nobody's judging you you're just looking at your own life Mm -hmm. but you get to see the impact of the positive difference you've made in people's life and then the ripple effect so uh, just the image for you curtis is that someday you know when you have your flash of your life Mm -hmm. that you get to see just the the millions of souls that have uh their lives have been transformed and the difference they got to make in their lives all because of you taking the time uh uh, you and your team to make this possible for us so i want to thank you uh thanks so much that's very sweet of you and uh we're going to keep doing it i mean we're not slowing down anytime soon, so hopefully that those ripples will go bigger and bigger. Yeah, and you're only 31, so we'll be That's growing it. old together, and I'll be yep. following you all the way. It sounds so, good. So, in closing, I'm going to thank our guest, Curtis Childs, who's been our guest today. I want to thank you, our listener, for being here. If these episodes have made a difference for you, I ask, uh, share them. Whether you found us on iTunes or YouTube or on our site, wedontdieradio.com press the share button, you know, share with people or, you know, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Sandra at wedontdie.com is my email. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe with all my heart that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. And like Curtis Child said earlier in this interview, Don't believe everything you think. The spiritual world is right around you right now. You've got at least two angels by your side. So go forward, make it a great day. I thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. 